Good morning. It is Thursday, April 1st. Happy April Fools. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. And today on the College Football Daily, well, it's Thursday. So that means it's recruiting Thursday. This is a really good episode that host Blair Angulo is delivering to you. Earlier in the week, the guys talked about the 2023 top 247 rankings. Those were dropped on Wednesday, and that's a really exciting class. Go make sure you you take a look at the list or listen back to to Monday's episode. The number one prospect, Lebius Overton. Number two prospect, Peter Woods. Number three prospect, James Smith. Those three guys are really, really good defensive line prospects and It's kind of conceivable that all three go to Alabama, but uh, you can worry about that another day. And then the quarterback battle too, Arch Manning at number five. You know the name, but he's being pushed a bit. Malachi Nelson, the number six overall player in the country, the number one player in California. He's the number two quarterback right now, but as Greg Biggins wrote on Wednesday, he is gunning for Arch's top spot. And then we actually have three quarterbacks in the class of 2023's top 10. Dante Moore, a six foot two pro style prospect out of Martin Luther King High School in Detroit, Michigan. So that's going to be a really uh, compelling battle. And just generally, it looks like a, a, a fun class to track and, and a special one. So since they covered the class of 2023 earlier in the week, today's episode is about class of 2022 quarterback recruiting and namely A.J. Duffy, who was in the news this week, coveted pro-style quarterback, was supposed to announce his commitment on March 31st. He was the day of his mom's birthday. His mother's birthday was yesterday, and he was a lot of big schools in the mix here. Florida State, Arizona State, Michigan State, he was going to choose one. But with the possibility of being able to take visits soon with the dead period lifting in a matter of, of months, A.J. Duffy decides he he wants to hold off. So was a huge story for the uh, 24-7 Sports Recruiting Network. It's also worth noting Penn State and West Virginia are in the mix here, and I'll let Greg Biggins kind of dive in on that, but those schools would, would absolutely have to get Duffy back to their respective campuses, and, and it seems like he's very much so focused on his top three, but this is one of the last remaining quarterback dominoes in the class of 2022, one of the best quarterbacks available, obviously highly coveted, and we have a good episode about him. So enjoy. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Valerian Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. On this episode, we will have Greg Biggins on to discuss a lot of things, the 2023 update for the top 24-7 rankings, uh, also what he's seen in the state of California, especially with high school football being back this spring, as well as breaking down one of the big commitments coming up that ha- has been pushed back quite a bit. He's one of the top available quarterbacks that would be AJ Duffy. So let's bring on Greg Biggins to discuss all of that and more. National recruiting analyst Greg Biggins joins us. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, Blair. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Not too bad. We're storming into Easter weekend, which is a nice little break for us that that have been on the road. Uh, It seems like every week now for about a month and a half as showcases and camps and and the circuit is kind of back to what it's been in in years past. So that's been really fun to kind of be a part of and and to see some of these players get back on the field and compete. Uh, One of those players that has been going back, I know he was at the Elite 11 out east recently. Uh, He's originally from Southern California. California was set to announce his commitment this week. That would be AJ Duffy, the four-star quarterback from IMG Academy out in the state of Florida, but he has pushed back his commitment. He is going to delay it. And he's one of those big dominoes that I think we're still waiting to see where he goes at the quarterback spot. Yeah, he is a big domino. 
And one of those schools that's on his list, Florida State, obviously already has their quarterback commit. ASU does not yet. Michigan State also does not have a quarterback commitment yet. So Florida State obviously taking two. And uh, Duffy's a top guy on their board. So it's close, Blair. Um, I think it's really close. The crystal ball was favoring Arizona State. He visited last weekend. And I don't think anyone should take too much out of, you know, oh, he visited and then delayed his decision. He must have hated the trip. Uh, He actually had already decided to delay the decision before he visited he had told me that privately, Blair. I had that inside scoop, but I kept it on the inside because that's what Cause, we do. Because then it wouldn't be inside. It would exactly. be outside. What's the point of giving out inside scoop? So, you know, he just, I think he really wants to take more trips. He's going to go see Florida State April 10th for their spring game. Also, we'll visit Michigan State sometime in April. No date set for that one, but those are the top three schools. And, you know, he said West Virginia is still talking to him as well. Penn State and Oregon were also in that initial top four he put out but you know they each have a quarterback i think pense has two so i would really focus right now on just those main three schools asu florida state michigan state michigan state loves oc jay johnson he took a visit i want to say god when was it last is it november december i think it was november did like a little east coast midwest swing and saw you know west virginia penn state cincinnati a few other schools and and michigan state he really loved he fell in love with the place just said it kind of fit him and likes the offense and he likes the depth chart you know for aj I think a big factor for him is early playing time. He wants to compete right now. He wants to kind of go and be like what Hank Bachmeyer was, who he knows really well. His dad, Pete, coached Hank in high school. Hank went to Boise State and started right away. And I think that's what their their vision is. They, they feel that's really important in terms of, you know, long-term future is getting those three years in, true freshman playing time. And with ASU, they obviously have Jaden Daniels. Uh, had a big freshman year. I think it was a no-brainer, three and done. Sophomore slump a little bit. Wasn't the same Jaden. And so now I think there's some concern. You know, is Jaden going to be able to come out early this year or is he going to come back for a fourth year? So right now, I mean, no one knows, right? No one has a a crystal ball into knowing how well Jaden's going to play. So I think that's a big issue with ASU. If he knew for sure Jaden was gone, I think he'd probably already be committed there. But, you know, he's not sure. Florida State, again, uh, they do have some other quarterbacks, but I think they're selling him on, hey, you can be the guy from day one coming here for spring ball and, and you know, you'll compete for the starting job. AJ Duffy, number 108 nationally in the rankings, number seven among pro style quarterbacks. He's 6'2, 200 pounds, pro style prospect out of IMG Academy. You mentioned those three schools, and, and the one that has been getting a lot of the buzz, and you touched on it there with Arizona State, all the crystal balls were there. This is the same player that released a top five, top four that did not include the Sun Devils. So, it was a bit of a smokescreen there from from AJ Duffy, but now you know the the Sun Devils are, are firmly in that mix. You said he took a, a visit there. When you think of his, I guess his decision to head across the country, right, with with high school football having been postponed and and canceled for the time being in in the state of California when he made that decision, it really kind of, I think, screams or speaks to his ability to not really be tied down to any one region or one program. I think it seems like he's pretty open to going anywhere. No doubt. He's, he's very, they're very functional families from, you know, originally from back East dad. If you ever talk to him, you can tell in two seconds, you know, they're from Boston, big Celtic Patriot, Red Sox fans. So yeah, he actually said, you know, part of the, one of the pluses of going to IMG was it was going to prepare him for college going away and getting to live on his own. And so this, you know, he has to go to Florida State or even Michigan State. He's totally fine with that. ASU was a five-hour drive, so that's not really an issue. I, I do think that does help ASU a little bit. He's very close with his family. And so having them a five-hour drive away, I think, is helpful. But he does love Florida State, man. Like, I think they're probably 
you know, right there with ASU, maybe Michigan State, if I'm handicapping it, maybe just a little bit behind those two. But, you know, Florida State, again, he took a visit there. He loves the tradition, loves the recruiting class, uh, believes that Florida State's one of those schools that because they're in Florida, which, you know, one of the big three, you know, they're going to be able to recruit enough talent to compete for a national championship. He's going to always have, you know, strong receivers to throw to. So that's that's big for him and FSU. And he loves Kenny Dillingham, the OC quarterback coach. So he's probably closer with him than anybody else. I mentioned already Jay Johnson from Michigan State. Then at ASU, you know, Coach Hill is the OC, but he probably talks more, you know, with Chris Hawkins, who's the DB coach, and also recruits them in California. Prentice Hill also involved there. So it's an interesting mix right there, Blair. I, again, I, no, no time frame right now. He's going to take those two unofficials in April. And he said if he's not ready, he'll go ahead and wait and do official visits which will open up, I believe, in June. So right now, who knows when he'll make a decision? I do feel like he's in a position of power, right? I do feel like he has a lot of the leverage right now. I think he can hold off as well and and maybe take his time because we mentioned it earlier, he is one of those big dominoes that has yet to fall. And a lot of the big dominoes have already fallen. So at this rate, he is kind of, you know, being able to, to pick and choose. You know, Florida State already has a quarterback committed in this class. That would be Nico Marchio. Uh, he's a four-star composite prospect from the state of Arizona. So for the Seminoles to be pushing for another guy at that spot uh, really speaks to how badly they want him and, and how how badly you know they want to take two in this class to, to kind of continue to have that competition, to have two guys pushing themselves. Uh, Florida State, they're supposed to be drawing over two dozen four-star prospects for their spring game. That would be April 10th. So not this weekend, but the following weekend. You know, you mentioned it there. It's, it's hard to see sleep on them with the way they're recruiting now under coach Mike Norvell. You do not want to sleep on Florida State. Absolutely. They've had some O-line issues, which have been well documented, but they're going to be able to recruit at a high level. You know, we've known Mike Norvell for a long time from his ASU days. He's very good quarterback coach, very good quarterback developer as a head coach, right? And so I think that's another thing that Florida State has going for him is a lot of times you have these, these head coaches, you know, maybe not offensive minded, you get you get to know the OC quarterback coach really well. But if, you know, what happens if, if he takes their job somewhere else, which often happens, well, with Florida State, with Mike Norvell, AJ knows it's always going to be a quarterback dominated system and I'm always going to have him. So I think that definitely helps. And yeah, I mean, he sees, he sees a lot of upside in two or three years from Florida state. Maybe, you know, they've been down a little bit, right? I grew up, you know, watching those Florida state Miami games back in the eighties. Those were, those are the kind you set, you set your, you know, put on the calendar. FSU's playing Miami in the eighties. That was the big, biggest game around. They've been down a little bit from, from Florida state, but I, I think he sees them coming back up. And I think that's really, really intriguing for him. But again, relationship-wise, he loves the ASU staff, feels very comfortable with them, and loves the city of Tempe. And like I said, Michigan State, kind of a dark horse, likes the coaching staff. And also, like I said, he, he sees himself fitting in really well with that offense and the scheme and thinks he can come, come in there and play like right away as well. So yeah, like I said, very interesting. It's one of those pieces that we are very interested to see how it develops because it's a holding pattern. There's other moves that will then happen. There's a ripple effect that happens when a quarterback of his caliber comes off the board. Say he doesn't go to ASU, ASU then has to move to to their next option, has to offer maybe two or three other quarterbacks that that are still available. So uh, a lot of interested eyes and obviously some big time programs in pursuit of four-star quarterback AJ Duffy. We're going to be back with more with Greg Biggins here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting podcast. 
The final four is on Saturday, and you may be wondering, how do I actually watch these games? Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone, and from there, you'll be able to see every tournament game available to watch. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. GB, how how big are we on the NCAA tournament? How big is the madness in the Biggins household? You know, it's not as big as it used to be. You know, I used to have a bracket and we'd all fill it out. And we didn't do that this year, Blair. I just wasn't really into it. But all I can say is, man, watching UCLA make a a run has been like, I don't know what the word is. It's been shocking, yet it's been been pretty exciting. You know, if you're a Southern California basketball fan, UCLA has always been the school out here. and, And they've been down a little bit, suffered through some Steve Alford years. But your boy Mick Cronin, Blair, I mean, I tell you what. It may not have been the, the prettiest thing in the world, but just watching them in the Final Four with this team was uh, was pretty, pretty crazy. And they take on Gonzaga this Saturday, part of the Next. Final Four. Without Adam Morrison, by the way, so I know people will remember that big game uh, back in, <laughs> I believe it was 2006. So it's been well over a decade uh, since UCLA and Gonzaga had that memorable March Madness game in the Sweet 16. <laughs> no, but Adam that... Morrison's ever recovered from... <laughs> he has it. Aaron Aflalo tried his best to pick him up off the floor, and I don't think he ever got off the floor. I mean, you're the player of the year. There's still time on the clock, and you're on the ground with tears coming down your face. I mean, like, I get crying after a loss, but there's still time on the clock, right? Like, you got to be the guy to rally your boys and and shoot. Game wasn't over. But, yeah, he he was – I mean, he was supposed to be, you know, a high lottery pick, and just never happened for him. That game kind of, like, ended him. It, it did. It did. And he eventually became an NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. But I don't think he ever really truly recovered from that NCAA tournament loss to UCLA. So if you want to watch the Final Four, make sure you download the CBS Sports app and uh, make sure you cho- check out all the action this coming weekend, Easter weekend. GB, we updated the 2023 class rankings. We expanded from a top 100 to a top 24-7. Alan True was on this podcast earlier this week. And if you want to go back and listen to that, you, you can to, to kind of get a feel, get a behind the, the curtain look at how the pre- the process works. But long story short, every analyst has a position or we all kind of dive deep into a, a certain position apart from our own regions and states that we cover. The quarterback position was the one that, that you got stuck with. And I'm not going to say you got stuck with it because <laughs> it, it, you have that eye for quarterbacks. You've been doing this a long time. You have so much experience, not only an in-person eval, but the way you look at film and, and you're able to kind of dissect things that I know a lot of other people don't see you have that experience and in in that 2023 class we've got arch manning obviously of the manning family dante moore another fast rising quarterback from the detroit area and malachi nelson all vying for the top spot nelson you got to see a couple weeks ago in a live setting uh, on a friday night with spring football here in southern california and then arch manning has been ascending the boards for months and months and and obviously his buzz is growing to the level that you would expect out of a, a manning what did you see on tape and in film when you were dissecting all all those quarterbacks let me just uh clear up a couple myths number one arch manning is not the number one guy right now because his last name is manning he's really 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 good at football so that, that's one myth and the number two that i've heard is two-man race for qb1 it's malachi it's arch manning i'll tell you what dante moore was freakishly good 
when I watched his tape. I didn't realize how good he was until I watched the tape. Then went back and watched some more tape. And then obviously Steve Wilfong just saw him at a, at a recent seven on seven tournament where I think he had more, I think he had like crazy stat, like more touchdowns and incomplete passes or something like that. I mean, like if you were, if I'm a college and, and I'm recruiting all three and Dante Moore wants to commit to me right now, I'm taking him not even thinking twice about it. This isn't one of those deals where you're like, nah, we're, we're waiting for Malachi. We're waiting for Arts. Like Dante Moore is definitely in that conversation. All three of these guys are rated in the top 10, which it's been I'm trying to think it's been a little bit since we've had three guys in the top 10. D tackle class is freakishly good this year. Otherwise you might have all three of these guys in the top five at some point. So you mentioned that I, I did see Malachi did his game for Fox a couple of weeks ago and, you know, a little bit of a, a slow start. And then he just took off. Then he showed everything that we want to see. And obviously, he's been kind of a workout warrior. Hasn't done it in pads yet like Arch has, like Dante has. So I was really curious. I'm like, okay, I know he's been great at quarterback collective and Elite 11, top performer for us. But you know what? How does he do with pads on, with people coming after him? You got your 2.5 seconds, and, and you better make a quick decision. Can you escape and extend a play? You know, can you get the ball out on time? Are you reading the coverage correctly? Are you seeing all this kind of stuff? And he was lights out. Probably has the quickest release in this class. He gets the ball out so quickly, and he's very accurate with it. Mobility is improving. It's not where I need it to, where I want it to be, but it's better than it was last year. He's a good athlete. It just kind of has. You need to kind of develop that innate feel like Bryce Young had for just being able to make that first, second, maybe even third guy miss, and then either quickly decide by taking off and running, or am I going to try to extend and buy some time, get the ball down the field? But he was very, very good at throwing the ball to all three levels. The deep ball was accurate. He showed zip. He showed touch. He showed it all. Threw two interceptions, and both of them were, I think he just kind of trusted his arm too much. It's kind of like a heat check where you hit 10 threes in a row, and you think you can't miss, and he was kind of feeling it, and threw like a little sidearm pass between, like, basically had no chance to get in there, but I think he was feeling it. But he's a great player. Arch and Dante Moore, again, both those guys are, are mobile quarterbacks. I think gone are the days of just having a guy who's just a, quickly just a statue who can't move around. Both those two guys, I don't think Arch gets enough credit for being mobile, and, and Dante Moore also is a very good athlete. Both those two guys can make every throw. It's always going to come down to, you know, for me, is how quickly can you process the game? That's why Tom Brady's the GOAT, right? He doesn't have the best arm or he's definitely not, not the best body or athlete, but, you know, he just has that innate feel for understanding how to play the position. So with those three guys physically, they got everything. It's just which of those guys can I kind of have that clutch gene? Which of those three guys has that just innate ability to make that quick read, change of protection, move a guy around? You just kind of have that feel. You're kind of, it's kind of God-given, right? Either have it or you don't. So that's why I think it's going to separate those three because physically they're all super, super special. Speaking of, of having a feel for the position, Lincoln Riley knows a thing or two about quarterbacks. And Oklahoma has only offered one 2023 quarterback in that class. That would be Malachi Nelson. What's the early stage or the early outlook of five-star Malachi Nelson's recruitment? So he loves Lincoln Riley. In fact, at the pylon tournament in Arizona, I almost said mesquite, but we got moved to Arizona, you know, talking to him and his pops. And, and they said, and this is another thing I, I think makes Malachi special is he's been sitting on Zoom calls with Lincoln Riley going over, you know, the offense and the playbook and he gets it. Right. A lot of guys, you could tell they get to the line. They have no, no clue what they're looking at. They're good quarterbacks, but they have no idea. They don't process the game very quickly. They see the first guy. If he's open, I'll throw it to him really hard. And if he's not open, I'm going to take off and run. But there's so much more that goes into a quarterback. And Malachi understands that. He's like I say, he's already breaking down college level film. And Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, they're definitely in his top schools. I would say top two, top three, top four ish. USC, if I you know, had a gun to my head and said, hey, he's going to commit tomorrow, I'd probably say USC might be the early team to beat. 
He's visited Alabama and loves it there. If Clemson offers him, he's visited there. They have yet to offer. He loves Clemson. He loves the offense. And Dabo Sweeney is a very devout kid. And just like with DJ, uh, we had an LA. He, he has that kind of spiritual connection with Coach Sweeney and that staff. LSU is in there. Uh, Ohio State, you know, they're still in the mix. Um, despite taking Quinn Ewers in the 2022 class, he still likes Ohio State a lot. So I think those are probably the main schools. Georgia, I'd kind of put in there too, maybe a little bit toward the back, but that's probably the, the main schools involved with him right now. You've not only just seen Malachi Nelson this season and in this spring year, which we kicked off here in Southern California, but you've seen a lot of other players. You've seen St. John Bosco and their star-studded cast, which includes another Uwe Angalale. We still have to kind of say that name for a couple more years, unfortunately. Mateo, he's a, a two, two-way standout, play some defensive line, play, play some tight end. He'd probably be a high four-star at either spot if we had to choose one of them. You've seen, obviously, the quarterbacks at St. John Bosco that are throwing him the ball, Pierce Clarkson and Caden Hauser. They've been putting on a show. You've been able to see Servite, which has Noah Fafita running the show there and, and one of the top receivers in the country in the 2022 class in uh, TMAC, uh, Tatoya McMillan. What's has stood out to you? What's kind of the, the thing that you're taking away from the first few weeks of high school football in the state of California? Yeah, no, good stuff right there. So, I mean, St. John Bosco, I, I think they have two quarterbacks that are really good. You know, Pierce Clarkson just got put into our top 247 in the 23 class. And, you know, I think Kate Hauser is a four-star quarterback. And so hopefully we can make that move in a couple of weeks or whenever we kind of do our big update for the 2022 class. So, I mean, talking about an embarrassment of riches, usually Bosco has, you know, they're 10 deep at O-line and 10 deep at D-line and have eight receivers and they got, you know, five running backs. People talk about how they're so stacked. They have two quarterbacks. That yeah, and, and that's the funny thing, right? As, as <laughs> right. we went into the season wondering who's going to replace DJ Uwengalele back there, right? Who's going to take over the reins and who's going to be leading the charge? Well, they found two guys. Two guys. And I think Jason Negro, the head coach, is being very smart. He's playing both of them. And and each of them gets a series. And you, whoever starts, the next guy goes the next series. And then they just keep rotating. They've done it for three games right now. And they're going to do it for all six games this year. And I think you have to because in this climate, right? It's like he names a starter. Probably the other guy's gone. And that's just kind of how it is, especially out here in Southern California. Kids don't want to, you know... I'm not saying they don't want to compete, but I'm saying they always see the grass as being a little greener somewhere else and they want to start. So, you know, Pierce gets his, you know, hit series and then Caton gets his series and they're, they're both really good. I think Caton's a top five quarterback in, in California in the 2022 and Pierce in the 23 and they bring different things. I think Pierce has surprised me a little bit and a lot of people with just how physically he's transformed his body, right? We saw him at the Elite 11 in November, Blair. We both come in to comment like, oh my gosh. Because I remember Pierce when he was this, you know, short, stocky pudgy little kid and i'm you know obviously no known his dad forever i'm like shoot man this might be rough how are we gonna we're gonna have to how do you rate this guy when he's, he doesn't look like a d1 player and then the last year he's really taken off and that the cool thing is his development is he's still trending up you know his body is still progressing he's still learning how to play the position better he's more apt to take off and run he's more of a dual threat right now you kind of want him to sit in the pocket a little bit longer process the game like we talked about before but he's gonna learn that so you see his game and it's going up. Kane Hauser, his game is going up. He didn't play that much last year. Now he's at Bosco and he, he is a pure thrower, a pure pocket guy, but he's shown a lot of underrated athleticism. He's getting out of the pocket. He's running for big yards. And so I think both those guys have impressed. And then you talk about Mateo. I'll tell you what, like he is, another guy made a huge jump in the last year. He was up 20 pounds. He's all of 6'5 and 260. He would be a, a top 25 player at receiver. 
tight end or defensive end. He's strong. He's explosive off the ball. He plays with a little bit of an edge. As a tight end, we saw it during the seven-on-seven circuit. He's jumping over people. He's an athlete. On his highlight tape, you see him doing windmill dunking. He had a couple jump ball touchdowns last week against a really good Servite team. I, I made a point to say, you know, this guy is just not feeding off of being DJ's brother, right? He is a legitimate prospect in his own right. He'll have every offer he wants, and he's a legit top 20 player. Uh, for Servite, just want to get this in real quick. Uh, Noah Fafita is one of my favorite quarterbacks. He's only 5'8". Five, nine on a good day, but it's the guy who gets it, man. He's so tough, so accurate. Uh, his receiver, Tataro McMillan, call him T-Mac. Uh, right now, he's a top five receiver in the country, and man, he's unbelievable in jump ball situations. He's a top-level volleyball recruit, and you see it the way he plays. He's 6'4". He can jump out of the gym, but more, more than jumping, like his timing on jump ball situations. You see some guys jump and you know eight seconds too early. You're going, what are you doing? T-Mac has an ability to just come down with every single jump ball. It's his. Even when he's covered, he's open because of his body control and how well he can time it. Strong hands, not a burner, but he still gets deep somehow. He just has that ability to get deep and run after the catch really well. So he impressed the heck out of me, and I think he's legitimate. Right now, for his buzz, a little bit of USC buzz, a little bit of Stanford. That was his dream school growing up. Oregon was his dream school because Marcus Mariotti, he's from Hawaii. UCLA is in there trying, and there's a couple other schools that uh, you know he likes a lot, Bama. And like I said with uh, – Malachi Nelson, uh, T-Mac would love a Clemson offer as well. So Clemson's kind of a hot school out West, as you can tell. Mikai Lemon, who's Malachi Nelson's teammate, also would love a Clemson offer. And he's a top 25 player in the 2023 class. Explosive, both sides of the ball, catches it. Run after catch, it's extremely good. Great hands, great body control. He's tough. He's physical on defense. He'll stick you. He can roam. Got a lot of range if you want to move him to safety. I love him as a receiver. So yeah, seen, seen some good ball, man. It's, it's so good to have football back for, for the kids, for the kids for sure. And also we, we've enjoyed it as well. Absolutely. Obviously, they didn't get to have a, a normal year, a normal fall. And, and for a lot of the, the players to get back on the field and, and, you know, kind of showcase their abilities. And it goes beyond just trying to get offers and, and trying to get that exposure. I think you, you've mentioned it before, just for the, the mental health side of it, for them to go out and have fun with their friends and play some football, um, I think has been really cool to see. Greg, it's it's been a pleasure as always. You're always delivering the goods here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruit recruiting podcast. Always good to talk to you, Blair. We could have just went for hours and hours, but you got stuff to do. I got to take the kids to Cold Stone. It's 90 degrees today in Huntington Beach. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, it's always a pleasure, Blair. <laughs> all right. That is Greg Biggins. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins. For all the latest on high school football this spring in the state of California and, and other places around the country, make sure you stay locked in over at 24-7 Sports. As we kick off the month of April, we're going through with uh, recruits scheduling visits, recruits taking visits, recruits talking about their top schools, and even some commitments. So you don't want to miss any of that. Make sure you join with a VIP subscription to your favorite team site. That will do it for us and for Greg Biggins, you have been listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.